Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Mary Harris, and this is Only Human. This week, we're doing something a little different. We're going to answer a question, something I think about a lot. Why does healthcare cost so much? And is there anything you and I can actually do about it? Healthcare costs are on my mind, not just because I host this show, but because I had breast cancer a couple of years back. Being sick was awful, but the bills were worse. I'm still getting them. I'm sure you've had some version of this experience. We've all gotten that unexpected charge from the doctor's office or heard about that $50 Tylenol at the hospital. So why does it work this way? I reached out to Zeke Emanuel to try to find out. He's the oncologist and medical ethicist who worked with the Obama administration to shape the Affordable Care Act. And I started with a really basic question. You really like thinking about something that the rest of us don't like thinking about at all, which is health insurance. (laughs) Why? Uh, It's a funny reason, but that's actually because I care about everything besides health insurance. Uh, So in the United States, where we're spending close to 18 percent of GDP on health care, If you want to actually create a lot of extra money to spend on other things we care about, like education, raising young kids and giving them the best start in life so that they can grow up, you have to care about health care. That's the first thing. The second thing is, yes, we don't want to care about health insurance. Actually, I just got today from my daughter. Which one of these three plans do I select? I can't figure it out. Um, I'm just glad she does that, too. (laughs) Everyone does that. But we all want it there when we need it. And so part of... I view my responsibility is let's create a system where most people have what they want without too much thinking, and then it's us policy wonks' job to make that happen. Okay, so a couple of things to notice. First of all, even Zeke Emanuel isn't excited about health insurance for the sake of health insurance. And second, we collectively spend so much money on health care that it affects everything else. 18% of GDP is a whole lot of money. And so I wanted to know, what can we regular people like you and me do about that? I want to just walk you through a little bit about sort of how you think about cost, because I think a lot of people look at their insurance and they sort of just throw up their hands like, this is so complicated, I don't get it. So I want to talk about how we can be better users of healthcare. Um, From your viewpoint, we're better users if we're using kind of a little, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to talk about it with your own life because you're not getting a PSA test, right? Which is a test for prostate prostate cancer. cancer, Right. Uh, uh, Not true. I've gotten two PSA tests through no fault of my own. (laughs) This story about the PSA test is one that Zeke Emanuel tells a lot. He decided he doesn't want it. And he has good reasons. It prevents a really small number of deaths. And it results in a lot of overdiagnosis. Some doctors disagree with him. But he sees it as a totally unnecessary expense that can lead to even more costs. Not getting the PSA, though, it's turned out to be difficult. Even though he's told his doctor he doesn't want it. You didn't even know you were getting the test until you showed up and... Correct. Correct. Look, I mean, this is... I've written about not getting the test. I've been very staunchly against the test. And twice I've gotten the test. I'm not a wallflower. And I say, if I get the test in these circumstances, in some ways forced to get the test in these circumstances, it's very hard for the average person not to get this test. To be clear, Emmanuel isn't on a crusade against medical testing. 
he just thinks we should be data-driven and only get the tests that actually do some good. Now, there are other preventative services which I think are very valuable. A colon cancer screening and having a colonoscopy after the age of 50 for women, uh, pap smears, incredibly valuable uh, tests, getting immunizations. We know they're extremely valuable for the individual and for society as a whole. We have uh, something called the United States Preventive Services Task Force, which is a group of independent experts looking at all these tests and procedures and evaluating them and grading the level of evidence on them. And, you know, I'd actually encourage if any one of your listeners has any doubts about any of these tests, it's worth going to that source and looking at what their view of various tests are. Um, But okay, so the Preventative Services Task Force says don't get the test. Your doctor somehow orders it anyway. You don't even want it. How do we fix it? Well, that I think is a that is clearly a systems error at at uh, the hospital that I went to get my blood drawn. You know, these are built in, ordered without discussion with the patient, and that I think was a a serious mistake. But you think it must happen to lots of people if it happened to you. Uh, exactly. And all of this is really expensive, right? Oh, there's no doubt that. We have a very, very uh, expensive system. We have an expensive system for lots of reasons, some of which are unnecessary tests and treatments, some of which are very high prices, like high drug prices, high prices for hospital days. Um, Some of it is administrative inefficiency. We have more than enough reasons for our high prices. Unnecessary tests is, it's a big one. It's probably the dominant one, but it's not the only one. And I think people kind of when they have health insurance, they think, well, of course I should get this test. I have health insurance. I'm paying for it. Yep. That's a very common thing. I'm paying for it. I ought to get it. And I think you need to step back and say, well, is it really worth it in any serious sense, both worth it from a money standpoint, worth it from a health and inconvenience standpoint? Do you have any estimate of how much money is wasted on stuff like the PSA test? Well, we have some estimates of how how much is wasted on unnecessary tests and services in this country, and it's about $200 billion. And part of the problem is the psychology in America is more testing has to be a good thing. And I think many of us who are in the system understand that more testing isn't always a good thing. And sometimes it actually can be a bad thing in that it can lead to additional tests or a lot of worry that was totally misplaced. I know exactly what he's talking about here. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer a couple of years ago, two of the three specialists I met with said I needed an MRI, an expensive scan, just to be sure the cancer wasn't somewhere else. But the third specialist was totally against it. She told me, we've done the research, and it's just not necessary. You'll end up with a bunch of false positives. Eventually, I did do the test, because it was a scary time. And I had insurance, and two doctors were recommending it. And you know what? It played out exactly the way the third specialist said it would. Four different spots looked suspicious, meaning I had two more MRIs and three biopsies. Ultimately, none of it was cancer. So if we're looking for something we can all do better as consumers of healthcare, this is a big one. We should get fewer unnecessary tests. But like so many aspects of healthcare, It feels largely out of our control. At this point in the interview, I pulled out a prop, the thing that makes me feel most powerless about the cost of health care in my own life. Okay, can I show you something? Um, (laughs) Hopefully not a quote of mine, which has been disproven. (laughs) No. So this is my most baffling. 
but <laughs> medical <laughs> bill. It's a medical uh, bill. I, I, know, I got it last year. We're looking at a hospital bill, an extensive list of incomprehensible codes and procedures. When it arrived, I poured over it, trying to understand all the charges. They added up to more than $65,000. I was on the hook for 1600 And I feel like I have a college degree. I should understand this. And I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, so let me, let, let, let me just say, uh, Mary, I have an MD and a PhD, and this is all Greek to me, too. It doesn't prepare you to read a bill. And yes, all of these things are like, hmm, I can't figure out. There's a lot of 2442 uh, here. Right, coding. Yeah. yeah. And, and I feel like if we want patients to start thinking about cost, we can't send them these bills. <laughs> I certainly agree with you. These are literally incoherent even to well-educated people. I recently went through some physical therapy, and I would get these bills that would vary drastically. And, I, and every time I went in there, I thought I got the same treatment. <laughs> but clearly, they were billing very differently for what at least on the patient side, and a pretty well-educated patient, seemed like the same thing. Simplifying bills, Emmanuel says, would be a great thing. If we all better understood the costs of health care, maybe we'd take steps towards spending less. He mentioned a version of this that's happening already, where patients are being asked to take price into account for discretionary care, like knee replacements. I think one of the things we can do is what's been tried out in California, uh, which is called reference pricing. What is that? You can. That's a serious can, vocab. Yeah. You can get your knee replacement anywhere in New York City. We, <laughs> the insurer, we're going to pay, pick a number, $21,500 for it. And here, by the way, is a list of places that'll take that $21,500 and we think will do a very good quality job. You go to a place, you know, University Hospital X or other specialty hospital Y, and they charge you $42,000. That difference, you're going to pay for that. That will do two things. First, it'll incentivize you to do a little shopping on a discretionary item. And second, it will send a signal to those hospitals that are charging the high amount, and they will drop their prices. Remember, this is just for elective treatment. No one would make me shop around for cancer therapy or emergency care. And this is just one example of the way Zeke Emanuel thinks we need to change incentives in the healthcare system. Another is the way doctors are paid. You know, we have a system that incentivizes doctors to order more tests, hospitals to use more services because they get paid fee for service. Right. And my typical example, they may not like it, is <laughs> urologists don't get paid for not taking out that prostate. Right. <laughs> if they don't take out the prostate, they don't get paid. Now, that's not a very good system because then on marginal cases, you'll take out the prostate because you're going to get paid that way. Um, what we want is a system which is not focused on treating people and so we pay only when they're sick and we treat them. You want a system that's focused on keeping them healthy and you'll make money if you keep them healthy and out of the hospital, out of the emergency room, out of the specialist's office. Are doctors that, even trained to do that? No, we have not actually. That's a very good point. We've trained doctors to address problems as they come up rather than to anticipate the problems and really begin to try to prevent them from getting worse. So as I like to say, one of my standard lines is, look, the key to saving money in healthcare, the key to actually having higher quality care, having patients actually do better, is prevention. Now, most of us think prevention, vaccines, and that colonoscopy and that pap smear. 
I mean prevention of people who have a chronic illness, preventing them from getting sicker. And that is the key because those are the people using a lot of healthcare services. They have an illness, but we need to keep them from having an exacerbation of that illness. That's going to be the key going forward. We started out with a question. Is there anything you and I can do about the high cost of health care? The short answer, unfortunately, is not really. We can ask ourselves questions. Do I really need that test? What can I do today that will keep me healthy instead of just keeping me from getting sick? But Zeke Emanuel wants us to move towards a more accountable system where costs are more transparent and all of us, doctors, hospitals, and patients, have a reason to care about cutting healthcare costs. One thing all of us should be doing to keep ourselves healthy is exercising. Maybe you're hoping to work out more in 2016, and we're going to help you with that. Only Human is teaming up with Dan Ariely, the behavioral economist. He wants to help all of us do a better job of keeping our resolutions to exercise. And he's going to study us to see what works. We'll have all the details in next week's show. But to learn more, go to our website at onlyhuman.org. Check it out. Only Human is a production of WNYC Studios. This episode was produced by Molly Messick. Our team includes Amanda Aronchik, Elaine Chen, Paige Cowett, Kenny Malone, Fred Mogul, and Catherine Tam. Our technical director is Michael Raphael. Our executive producer is Lital Malad. Jim Schachter is the vice president for news at WNYC. And I'm Mary Harris. I'll be back with more next week. Support for WNYC's health coverage and Only Human is provided by the Torina Endowment Fund, the Hearst Foundations, Jane and Gerald Catcher, the Iris and Junming Lee Foundation, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the Simons Foundation, the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, and the Winston Foundation.